Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the Progeny Podcast. My guest today is Hawra Al Milani. Hawra is a strategic partner manager in the social impact team at Meta, formerly Facebook, where she works with charities to improve their performance and fundraising through Meta's charitable giving tools. A mother of two, Hawra is a computer science specialist, passionate about cultivating a generation of youth with strong technical and problem-solving skills. She is an advocate of women and girls in tech and focuses her talks and ideas on the topic of gender parity and inclusion in the field of technology. Sister Hawra, assalamu alaikum. Alaikum assalam. Thank you for making time for the progeny. Um, we've been trying to host you for some time, but it's been difficult trying to work out a date where we can come to the studio. So thank you for making time for us. Um, I want to start first by asking you how you got into the tech world. Uh, you don't, we don't see a lot of women in the tech world and we don't see a lot of women from our Muslim community in the tech world. Yeah, the, I mean, we can answer <laughs> that's many questions, but let's start with where I started. So yeah. I started in a very you know unconventional way. When the first computer came to our house, I always tell the stories of when I was nine and ten and I always used to look at what, what does this button do and um, what's the result of, of this action and how, what makes it power up and what makes it really work. So I was very interested in the mechanics of the actual computer. So way before even internet, you know, and then the internet came a few years later in, into our homes and that was a whole world in itself. But the actual mechanics, the actual buttons, the actual results mm. of this um, fascinated me. Um, and then, you know, getting the opportunity to have IT lessons in school, this amplified my interest. I was always really interested. So it's not something that I sat to think about too much. It's not something I actually, it was a childhood thing and then took it forward. Um, but I always felt lonely from uh, from childhood as well because I, I always found myself the only person who's really interested in the way the computers worked even in IT lessons so I always had questions and I always wanted to learn more from the teachers whether it be year seven year eight so it's been something that's always just just been part of my life then um, I didn't go to the traditional route of getting my degree and then moving on in life I got married uh, at a young age I moved to Iraq particularly specifically in Najaf mm. um, and you know the situation wasn't the same over there the technologies weren't available however I was studying Hausa for around two and a half years there mm. but I found myself more fascinated by everyone's computers and the computer facilities that were available in the house then <laughs> than mm. everything else so i became the computer person and i thought okay well i'm in this place i have an opportunity to help others because here were amazing women who just come you know we all know the background of iraq so let's mm. not get into the details of that from mm. difficult situations and now they have <coughs> opportunities to use computers in a computer lab in the house but nobody knows how to use it and even the person the woman in charge of that computer lab really didn't have much knowledge or experience so i took it upon myself to to be the computer person who's going to help other women in this field so that was the very start before coming back and doing my my degree what obviously when you came back you thought about going into doing your degree. what encouraged you maybe because you know if someone doesn't take the the normal route let's say of you know after finishing their school going into towards university maybe after they leave it they don't really think about going back into studies 
or getting a degree. Maybe for for us, maybe it's, if you want to get a job, you'll think about okay, I need, I really need. Even though in today's age, I don't think people can still get jobs without degrees. But usually, yeah. was that the reason um, that you said I want to get the degree, or was it for your passion in in computers that you thought I want this degree in computer science? Both. So my passion was more in the hardware. Okay. Uh, part of things and then I realized that we have degrees I actually thought let me get into business because I was interested in the the business of computing but then you know sometimes you have these little conversations that you don't think matter much but they do make a big difference so I, I had a conversation with a, uh, a professor in the first year of university and he said have you thought of software have you thought of programming and I thought no I haven't what's that about so it was a half an hour conversation, but that did change the direction of my life. You know, I chose computer science as a degree because now I was interested in what software engineering looked like, the potential, the impact. At the time, I did a quick Google search and I said, okay, what are the highest paid jobs, right? <laughs> because I want to make money out of this. Yeah. And after, you know, the medical field and the uh, and being a pilot, it was software engineer, like third or fourth space. Now it's much higher, by the way. You know, software engineers and computer scientists get paid a lot more than people. Than medics. Than medics, <laughs> yes. So you know that. And, and it's continuing, by the way. So the mm. world of AI, machine learning, it still has a very strong future and many opportunities. Whether you're a graphic designer, whether you're a, um, a product manager, a project manager, whatever you want to work in, there's a place for you in tech. And that's what fascinates me even more and makes me even more interested in this field because there's an opportunity for everyone now, not only people who are interested in software. Maybe there are some sisters <coughs> listening to this or watching this that maybe also got married young, <coughs> couldn't really get in to do a degree. How can one, and this is again for you from experience, balance life being a wife, a mother, and then a at the same time studying a degree you know i'm sure there are times where you thought i can't do this or yes. there are times where you thought this is getting too much how how do you persuade yourself you know forget persuading persuade yourself that i can do this all the time all the time as a mother as a wife as someone who has responsibilities you know outside as well with family um what I love, again, I'm going to sound repetitive now, but what I love about the world of tech is how easy it is to get into it. And for example, if you want to do a degree and you're not living in the UK, you're more than capable of doing a degree online with a UK university. So because this is the future, the opportunities have increased immensely. For example, someone who wants to take a break from their position, from their current job, can go and do a boot camp what we call a software engineering boot camp for three months and then be ready to become a software engineer and then break into the world of tech but that will be a full-time course if you're at home you're a mother you have you're a wife you have responsibilities you don't have time an hour a day with the courses that are available online so there are really well structured courses made for people to take part-time many courses keep into mind that you know the person taking it might have two other jobs not even one hmm. the courses that are created are sometimes for especially for women so the wording that they use is made to encourage women and why are we then encouraging women and why are companies investing so much in creating a variety of courses and a variety of entry points to this field because there's a huge lack of um, people to fill the jobs 
you know, in a couple of years' time, statistics and data shows <coughs> that we're going to have over a million positions available. Wow. Right? We've got 1.4 million positions available in a couple <coughs> of years' time, and we're only going to have 400,000 graduates in computer science. If every single one of those graduates actually took one of those jobs, you're still going to have a million. million. And so there's opportunity. It's not a saturated market. There's so much opportunity. And there are so many entry points. Again, I don't have to, you know, if I'm waiting, if I've just had a baby and I'm waiting until my children are ready to go to school, I can spend half an hour a day or an hour a day instead of being on social media to learn something got to do with computer science or tech or artificial intelligence or machine learning, whatever it is. So after you finished your degree, I'm guessing you, what was your first job? What did you go into? Because I can't hold one thing down, um, uh, during my degree, I always had, you know, I was actively participating okay. in the community. So I was either freelancing with a variety of jobs, a variety of, you know, jobs to do with computing. Mm -hmm. um, whether it was creating websites or just lots of little things that were happening there, but also looking for opportunities to speak and join communities who were promoting women in tech. The reason being, while I was doing my degree, I always found that, I, I always say, you know, I made this action, I'd look behind me and see I'm in a lecture hall of over a hundred young men and I'm the only woman. And I'm like, oh my God, I need to leave this degree. I'm alone, I'm alone. And I, I started just changing my perspective. I'm doing this degree and I'm alone. How many other women have dropped out because they felt like they're alone? And what can I do now in this position or even moving forward to support other women so that they don't feel what I'm feeling right now and give up on this field. Okay. Your question was, you know, what did I do straight after? Mm, yep. I thought, where's the biggest impact that I can make? So I went into uh, doing a PGCE, so becoming qualified to become a teacher. teacher. So I did that um, and got into teaching because I thought, okay, I want to be a teacher and I'm going to make a difference from the classroom you know from a young age from yep. year seven up so that when they go to university we're not going to have those lecture halls that are empty of women. of young women i go into schools and i realize oh my god when it comes to gcse's girls are not choosing it okay what can i do now so i started taking myself out of the situation thinking hold on i'm a teacher yes but i came here because i felt a responsibility of bringing girls into education so I started doing um, computer science education research, started reading about it and moved on to do a master's in computing education. I think you can see a little pattern yeah. there. <laughs> What's the next fun thing to do? So I did a master's in um, computer science education and my focus, my dissertation was on the reasons behind the lack of girls choosing computer science in the UK and then comparing it to other countries like Turkey and Malaysia. You're very passionate about about women. Why? And that obviously because you're a woman. Because what I'm a best, what you know encouraged you to, to maybe do more for the the women. And I'm guessing especially girls in our community to get into this field. Um, shout out to my mom, who's the strongest woman I know. Um, God bless. She's she was always super passionate and super ambitious, but chose to uh, stay at home, look after us, support my father and the family for everyone else to succeed. And for her, regardless of being the most ambitious woman I know, 
incredibly strong. How many strong. of you are at home? Like obviously Gorm Gopal. I mean, Siblings? there's eight of us. Eight. Yeah. So I'm the youngest. And I'm guessing because of the position of your father, he was away a, a lot. lot of the time. He's speaking. He's got a role traveling at the mosque, traveling. So it was all on. It was on her. To, oh, Haider. Yes. God bless her. God bless her. Thank you. All our mothers, inshallah. And so she was, you know, the epitome of a, of a strong, ambitious woman. But I used to look at her and say, I, I don't want to stay at home. I have got too, too much to go out. You know, she made her impact in a different way on the women in community mm-hmm. that mattered to her to make mm-hmm. sure that every woman in our community never felt alone, never felt, you know, always felt empowered and they'd always come and talk to her and whatever issue they they had. Yes. So she wasn't a technical person, right? But she showed me that. And so I had a role model in front of me. And then also living in Iraq for, I lived there for seven years and I realized, oh my God, why are we a community who, we're such a, you know, religious community, right? We have six imams in this country and we're, they are our role models, yet this isn't what Islam says of how we should treat women, right? Women are forgotten, they are disregarded. Alhamdulillah, now they have a much bigger voice, they're, they're heard, but I'm talking 2005 to 2013. Yeah. So as a young woman, all of these experiences shaped me and added to my thoughts and, and passions. And that's what really matters to me, that, you know what, if I can do it, so can every other woman. And if I'm going up, I should be lifting every other woman with me. I shouldn't be going up alone and saying, oh, yes, I, I did it, I succeeded. There's no there's no um, pride in that unless you've lifted every other woman with you and helped her get out of the difficult situation she's in. <clears throat> you know, I'm, I want to speak about, again, upbringing and, and specifically having a scholar father. Some may think, you know, uh, <clears throat> that if your father's a scholar, especially in the position that he may be in, then his mindset, again, this is some thinking, might be a bit old school. Yes. Girls get married young, go to Iraq, don't study, you can't be in the public, like, you can't be teaching, you can't be working. How much impact did your father's upbringing have on you today being someone in the tech world working at a company like meta which is quite well known uh, being a public speaker how much of that was he a a support or did it impact you in a positive or a negative way yeah incredibly supportive every step of the way he's been incredibly supportive and this sometimes comes as a surprise to people and i i get surprised at why others are surprised because he's always been a forward-thinking person he's always been been there for the youth and understood them and you know built his life at 40 when he moved here so he's always always been supportive whatever it is that we've chosen to do whatever field it is he's actually always very interested in what i have to say and what i have to share and because it's a field that's away and you're the from youngest his, i'm the from, youngest yeah if for those that don't know sister Hawra is the daughter of ayatollah milani hence why i asked you know how much of an because again you said you're surprised that other people surprised but there are people out there that will be surprised maybe because, yes uh, i don't blame them Many times growing up and, you know, in my, even in my early 20s, I thought, if I want to get into this field, what's he going to think? And it only made me realise because I haven't sat down to ask him what he thinks. I've made up my own mind. Yeah. 
Um, That's what others are doing now, making up their own mind without even knowing. Right. We're judging straight away. You know, even if he is my father and I've spent a lot of my life with him. I'm not sat in front of him all day, every day talking to him. He's a very, very, very busy man. And, you know, there are only certain opportunities where I get to talk. So when I told him about what I'm doing, it was always just... You know, make sure you're safe, make sure you're looking after your well-being and your own physical and mental health. And, you know, be there for your kids. Make sure that they know their mum's always around and that's it. You know, I'm, I'm, he's a huge supporter, which is, which is amazing, which really helps. Alhamdulillah. Was it difficult getting into, into the tech world being a Muslim hijabi? Yes. Not difficult getting into it, but you have to shout louder to be seen. Because a lot of there are a lot of mis- misconceptions, and alhamdulillah, things are changing very rapidly right now. You know, many years ago, when I'd go to a conference, there was no prayer room. <coughs> Men would extend their hand to to shake my hand, or if I say I can't shake your hand, they'd come in for a hug, and loads <laughs> of misconceptions. You're like, oh, I'd rather shake your hand, you know, if, if it's right. So loads of situations, and these are the things. These are the barriers that stop our Muslim sisters from moving forward, whether it's computer science or any other career. And that also puts them in a position where their husbands, their brothers, whoever it is, their fathers also worry, you know, what's my wife or sister or daughter, what kind of situation is going to is she going to be in when she's in these open spaces working with, with other people, right? Um, there weren't prayer rooms. There were situations like this. You know, food was always served around alcohol. And so to make a difference, you have to you have to speak up. You have to make your voice heard. So it wasn't so difficult. It was challenging, let's say. Some might say that, that you know, hijab is not for the modern world. Hijab is, uh, if, if, any, if it's slowing down women, if it's, if it's, if it's causing this, you know this this barrier doesn't it just doesn't it's just complicating things so hijab is something that's ancient and shouldn't be practiced mm, yeah what would what would you, your response be my response is, is this i don't i don't talk about it i i show it mm. right so i always say if i can do it so can you and i think my my nieces have heard this so much they're just fed up i <laughs> i've gotten two of my nieces into computer science and right. cyber security now alhamdulillah inshallah the rest of the generation all but i always tell them if i can do it you know the person who is always shy can't speak up stutters all the time is worried what are you talking about here myself yourself yes. stutters yes shy yes what well, you're doing Unable public talks to- now you got to do the scary thing, right? <laughs> okay. If I was able to do it without compromising on my hijab, without compromising on my salah, without compromising on anything else, inshallah, I don't know, or the future, <laughs> um, then so can you. Because let's, you know, we're making a space for ourselves. And Belakis, actually, now that things are moving forward, companies are looking to support underrepresented communities in tech. Now's the time because now you look different. You've got the hijab on your head. You're representing diversity. Your voice will actually be heard even more. The reason being that studies, you know, big companies are doing studies on the importance of diversity and how it improves creative thinking, faster problem solving. So 
when you have other people's diverse voices, the company will do better. So now is a brilliant opportunity. It's not like what it used to be when you were underrepresented and forgotten. Now you're underrepresented and being sought. So this is the this is your chance now. Problem solving. <laughs> I, I, yeah. that, that's <clears throat> you know, your father's a great problem solver. A lot of people go for for different types of problems for him to solve. You're also someone that's problem solving, but in the tech world, uh, is that something that you're passionate about? Do you look for problems so you can solve in the, in the tech world? Funny you should say that because that phrase always scared me, problem solving. I don't mm. know how to do that. The reason being, I later learned that it wasn't, I don't know how to do it. And I've shared this on, you know, publicly as well. Um, I found out that, you know, I have ADHD and this is one of the reasons behind my difficulty in structuring the solution of problems, right? Okay. And it was very recent, a few months ago, actually. Um, but before then, my idea was like, I don't know how to problem, what do you mean by problem solving? And I'd read about it all the time. You know, software engineering is about problem solving. Maths is about problem solving. But when you put things into perspective and start taking action, right? Our word today was action. You realize actually everything in life is problem solving, whether it's making a cup of tea mm. or navigating your car in a very difficult and narrow lane and situation when there are other cars coming through. These are all problem-solving skills. The beauty about working in tech is that you are exposed to it so much on a daily basis, the hard becomes easy. The challenge starts becoming, oh, actually, you know, it's not, um, it's not an issue. And then your brain just naturally starts, you know, I don't know the neuroscience behind it. I'm sure you can get a medic to share that but it naturally starts getting better and, and easier. You chose the word uh, action today. What does, the, what, you know, we ask obviously those that watch Progeny or hear, listen to Progeny on on, pod, on, on different plat platforms of the podcast know that we usually ask guests to pick a word and you've picked uh, action. What, what, why action? Firstly, I love the idea, get, putting someone on the spot and getting them to, to choose a word. And the first one I chose was self-awareness, right? What did you say? Good luck finding the letters. <laughs> Quite a long word. Um, action, because taking action is what helped me move forward. Every single time I didn't take action, I lost an opportunity. And there were many, many great opportunities that I missed because of fear. Because what are they going to say? How is that person going to respond to me? Even if it's just reaching out to someone or attending a talk. That was so brilliantly done. And I'm bursting with pride. And I just want to go up to that person and say, thank you for your talk. I had such crippling fear of all the, everything that could go wrong. Well, I mean, it's something so basic, right? But uh, things are usually amplified in our minds. Mm. And so, so many times I chose not to take action. But every time I chose to move forward and take action and get over those fears, only goodness came from it. Mm. There was uh, the gentleman who, who won the first round of The Apprentice many years ago. I forget his name. Oh, I'm, anyway. Um, a black gentleman who'd come for a talk when I was doing my degree, okay. my third year of degree, and they... It was um, like an alumni session. 
he spoke gave really really interesting ideas and towards the end they said networking oh my god anytime anyone said networking i would run like away not towards oh, of course <laughs> run, away. run away why now i laugh i'm like why did you do that i'd run away and then i'd cry physically cry at the lost opportunity at an opportunity to network with that person because i didn't know what i should say what if they heard me stutter what if i couldn't get the sentence out what if they realized i'm the only hijabi in the sometimes they don't even care that you're wearing hijab and i'm like what if they realize that i'm the only hijab i'm the only shia muslim here i'm the only all of these also kind of an identity issue i think sister maryam heli spoke about this in your last pod in one of your last yeah. few podcasts about identity yeah. your identity as a muslim woman and all of these were amplified but that one time that i went to that gentleman oh what am i going to do when he puts his hand out to shake what am i going to do am i going to put myself am i going to compromise on my religion and my values or am i just going to find the courage to finally say i'm sorry thank you for extending your hand but you know due to religious restrictions i am going to you know this is how i say everyone so far has only been understanding about that but finding the courage to take the action and say that phrase he just looked at me and he said you know i waited in line to to talk to him i, I think i just jumped to the whole story so i took i i reached the the doors as i ran and then i stopped and i'm like how up just this time just this time turn around go back and talk to that gentleman just say thank you and turn back out boy that was a struggle i'm telling you like the whole drama series can be done on that, just on that scene, that scene. <laughs> i turned back and i went and sort of some the last person who was talking to him just moved away and i looked at him and he looked at me and just nodded at his head and put his hand on his chest i didn't even tell i didn't even use that phrase and i'm like whether someone had educated him or he had chosen to be educated about that i was saved from saying that phrase but i asked him you know you gave such good points what happens to us muslim women when we can't find the courage to talk about that or or say things like that he said i know that you have religious values and unless you speak about them and tell people that you have these religious values you're always going to be on the sidelines and nobody's going to look at you nobody's going to give you opportunities and he said i'm sorry that it falls upon you to make that path but when you choose that path you're going to be ma- making opportunities for so oh, many others. women and he said if you find that you're able to be courageous and find that voice and represent then so many other women will be thankful and i looked at him and i was like that that was incredible thank that you. was incredible thank you and i will never forget i i know i sometimes forget his name was tom tim um, everyone all the apprentice um <laughs> all the apprentice fans are going to get very annoyed from me right now um, i think i'm going to first. first apprentice he he won the first apprentice first when well, no, it's tim campbell tim campbell thank yeah. you tim campbell <laughs> I just had to google his name just so we didn't get I his name never right. reached out yeah. to him after that. I never messaged him. I never even found him on LinkedIn where whatever, but I have a photo somewhere in one of my drives. I took a photo with him. And so I thought, okay, that's it. That's that's all I need. I just go over that whole fear of networking. I still get I'm still scared when I have to network. <laughs> but the words I remember, I took yeah, action. Take action. Do you regret any of the opportunities that you missed? 
do you look at certain opportunities in your life and you thought that that wasn't that was Allah's call or a sign and I and I I missed it. Do you regret any of those opportunities? I do, but there's no point in waiting for regrets now. What's regret going to do? It's going to upset me. It's going to cause anxiety. It's not going to take me back in time. It's not going to help me resolve it. And I, I just convinced myself it wasn't my qasma. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, there's a whole it wasn't meant to be. situation between, you know, a conversation between qasma and what's supposed to be and what's not supposed to be and whether it's your reason or was it not met. But I'm always like looking forward. What's the next opportunity that I won't miss, whether it's for myself or for others? It became, uh, you know, that feeling of I wouldn't call it regret. Just um, wondering what would have what would have been, been different, right? What would have been? And so I, I bug other other young ladies and and women when there are opportunities. I tell them there's an opportunity. There's an opportunity when they tell me about their lives. There's an opportunity, um, whether they choose to take it or not. That's on that's on them. But I've done my role. So let's look forward. You know what other opportunities are there where I can move forward myself or support others. When you're in the tech world and when you're at work and whether it's, it's, it's giving talks, <clears throat> do do you feel that you are causing it or, or making a change? Do you actually feel that you are creating opportunities for the younger generation maybe that are getting into the tech world? Is that in the back of your mind or naturally it's not something that you think about? No, always, always. You hit the nail on the head there. I'm always thinking of what other opportunities I can provide. So what can I say now that will make a difference for other young women coming to the tech scene in a few years' time? Mm. I'm not going to be here forever, right? Um Moving forward, what will I? What difference will I have made? For example, when I started going to conferences, there were no salah rooms. Then salah rooms, prayer rooms developed, and they were mixed, men and women. Then the next conference I went to, this is all me giving feedback and becoming friendly with the organizers so that they take my feedback on board as well. The next conference had a separate salah room for men and for women. The next conference had a timetable of salah for that city and a qibla arrow and they'd blue tacked it to the table so that nobody moves it and they'd put a sajada i mean they'd spent 60 pounds on a sajada but <laughs> wow where did they get the sajada from some really fancy brand because i was sitting on that sajada and i'm like this is a really nice brand silk, I, silk sajada. <laughs> I start searching i'm like 60 pounds wow. guys you could have told me about a sajada and i'll tell you where to get them for a quarter of the price but that's the difference the tangible difference that i started seeing Right, um, events previously, you know, when you go to uh, an event in a European city, and uh, sometimes they do that in the UK as well, the speaker's dinner before the next day event, always in a pub, always in a place where there's alcohol. First couple of times, we're just talking about 2016, 2017, I'd make excuses. I'm sorry, my plane arrives late. I'm sorry, I'm really tired. I'm so these were opportunities to sit and have dinner with some of the most brilliant speakers in the field that I really, really wanted to connect with. Yeah. I wouldn't even show up. And I'd be so upset, but I'd say, you know what, I'm not compromising on my religion. And then I thought, how oh, you've got to take action because every other woman is going to do the same. She's going to miss opportunities. So I started asking, I'm sorry, you know, wonderful conference organizer. Thank you for your invite. 
because I started I'm like you know how that's just not going to end up coming to dinner and they're wondering right they don't know about my values they don't they're not so immersed into our culture and religion so I started just reaching out and saying can we maybe because I don't want to ruin the fun for everyone else they're here for a particular reason can we maybe have tea and coffee just before everyone goes for dinner like can we have some kind of setting where we're having dinner and then I will say you know meet everyone say my goodbyes and then you guys can go and drink and they were like of course I we're so sorry we didn't know that mm. and then after that they always you know when they wanted to invite me they'd make sure that we have the speaker dinner where and they tell everyone else at first I'm like no why should everyone else have to compromise for my sake they have the opportunity to say no though right they can just yeah. say actually we don't want to you know she doesn't have to be included we're happy in, with this so those are the small little changes, changes that i started and to opportunities see. and it's only came because i took action and started asking for it action it comes down i think to <clears throat> you speaking about about your values <clears throat> and your principles and and if the other respects that which alhamdulillah with, with you know with your experience they have they'll obviously understand and make exceptions um, and sometimes they don't know you know they're not doing it just to she's a muslim let's make our event it's not that's not how it works but like you said these are opportunities that some <clears throat> maybe you know i've had this this uh, conversation with others where they're like on Friday at my workplace, whether they're bankers or lawyers or accountants, Friday's usually a day where after work they'll go to a pub drink. for a drink. <coughs> and <coughs> Or sometimes when uh, someone is in the business world, the contract that it's usually signed has to be done over at a bar or a location yeah. where alcohol is served and they feel this is a missed opportunity where sometimes you know it's their, it's their livelihood well whereas you know and, and that's the ones that don't want to uh, that are that are religious that, that, that their values yes. mean something to them but there obviously there are others that will say you Just know what i'll do it anyway my job is more important yeah my job is more important so but you know with someone like you who 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 knows the importance of these values um it's just about taking action and letting letting people know and i think this is definitely going to create opportunities for others and solve you're solving not only your problem but you're solving so. others problems because now maybe in 10 15 years it's going to be somewhere in you know written or in, in the people's minds that are making these decisions that muslims can't attend an alcohol event i hope so i hope and so, that so, would so, be. so so i think you're definitely you're definitely even though you, you know you, you might have missed certain opportunities you're creating alhamdulillah uh, opportunities I for others so. Um, and one opportunity I think that you've created for yourself is getting into Meta, um, formerly known as Facebook. Facebook. Yeah. Um, how did you get into them? Because, you know, obviously it's a, quite a huge company. It's a huge company, 80,000 employees. Wow. It's incredible. Um, also came through the community. So immersing myself in the community because after my... You know, we said I, I did my master's and then I started my, my PhD, PhD in, in um, looking at cyberbullying that is focused on youth. So cyberbullying on, uh, online, obviously. Bullying that, that happens online on electronic platforms. So 
as I was doing that, um, some of one of the incredible women who I met through the community of, of speakers and traveling around the world, and it was because I took action and started meeting people and networking. Um, the opportunity came and she said, oh, we have, you know, she, she was, she started working at Meta and she said, there's an opportunity here. Would you like to apply? And I thought, Meta, they're not going to accept me. <laughs> and she said, why not? I said, because, you know, Muslim women get into Meta. It's like, there's a misconception there. How about, you know, apply, just put in your application. Right. When was <laughs> this? Less than a year ago. Okay. It's been less than a year that I've been with them. Um, put in, sorted out my CV. You know, I've done so many CV workshops. Sorted out my CV. Looked at the position. Looked like a really interesting position. It's a social impact. that works in the social impact team at Meta. Um, and I thought, let's, let's do it. Let's take action. Let's take action. Put the CV in. Went through rounds of interviews. Several rounds of interviews. You know, tech companies <laughs> make sure that they they filter. They have a very strong filtering process to really make sure that they've got the people that that will make a difference. Um, several rounds of interviews. A few months later, you know, alhamdulillah, I got the call, and we really want you on board. So. That's how it happened. Well, what's your position there now at the moment? Strategic partner, it's a mouthful. <laughs> strategic yeah. partner manage, manager, which means um, in the social impact team. Oh, so, there's more. Yeah. The <laughs> so the team, team. So the team is the social impact team. Okay. Who focus on supporting charities on Meta's platform? So think Facebook, Instagram. Anytime you create a fundraiser or donate, that's our team, social impact team. I'm a strategic partner manager, which means I work directly with the charities to support them in fundraising on our platforms. That's amazing. It's really nice because I get to work with all sorts of charities oh. making a difference in the world because charities are dependent on fundraising, right? Correct. So when our product and our system allows for, for you to donate or create a fundraiser on Facebook and Instagram with a variety of products, it's on me to then support charities and make sure that they're making the best gain out of these. Yeah, because obviously I think a lot of the charities have turned to social media yeah. as a platform to, to get... To get it's uh, a brilliant way to, to fundraise. Really, really good way to, to get people to support your charity. Uh, I don't want to skip something that you mentioned. and we, I, we I don't want to pass over it. You mentioned cyberbullying. <clears throat> there was recently uh, something I saw on, on the internet about someone being bullied at school. Uh, and I didn't think bullying was such an issue um, But there is a statistic that I also read recently That um, one out of every five students at school gets bullied Yes, That's quite a huge number um, What's the difference between bullying you know, physically and, and, and cyberbullying? And is it as much of a problem as the physical bullying that maybe is at workplace or at school or college or so on and so forth? Yeah, that's a very interesting topic. I can talk about this for hours. So just to break it down, you have a variety of research that focuses on workplace bullying, on university bullying, on high school bullying and primary school. That's, that's how severe it is that you need to break it down. Oh. Research is so focused on breaking it down to different ages because of the different impacts that it has. Mm. Now, the difference between traditional bullying and 
um, cyberbullying is the fact that we say, you know, researchers always in this field always say traditional bullying, physical bullying, verbal bullying stops in the playground, stops at school. Mm. The issue that makes cyberbullying 10 times worse or many times worse is the fact that your child has a device. They're going home. The messages will continue. The texts will continue. The emails, the photos, the sounds, the voice notes, everything will continue whether they're making a video of you at school or outside and saying horrible things or amplifying it. Another issue is cyberbullying is uh, very easily repetitive. You put one video up, if it goes viral, that's millions of people who've just seen something so horrible about you. It's not just the class. It's not just the town who you mm. can just up and leave and move elsewhere and move on in your life. It's there forever. And so the impact is sadly much larger. And yes, some statistics say one in five. It's actually much more than that. Wow. It's one in five because that's what children report to you. There's a lot that are reported. Yes. And the impact that you asked, one of the questions was the impact. Unfortunately, so many children, really young children, take their own lives, right? So it's got psychological effects. It's got physical effects. You know, if they end up just looking to, towards comfort eating because they're being bullied all the time, the feeling that the child can just grow up not feeling safe because they still don't understand when they should speak up to the parent or to the school counsellor or to the teacher, whoever it is. So it's a, it's a very impactful area of research that, you know, hopefully hopefully will we'll help, technology will help reduce it. I know loads of people like that, technology amplifies it. There are, there's a lot of work being done to use technology to reduce the impact. How far behind is our community? our communities with all of this you know I, again we've spoken about a lot of things but yeah. just about this bullying because uh, again I, I i'll mention you know i i'm not sure if you see you saw a, a muslim mother i think a black mother who had her son it was all over instagram and social media in the last few days bullied at school the young man who was bullied yeah. and his finger was and his finger and I, it really upset me you know yes. i thought wow you know th this is extreme and as a parent i sort of feared for my Child? Uh, for my child, that, that, that if this is happening here in the UK, <clears throat> and about but at the same time, coming back to our communities, <clears throat> who I'm I'm proud of being from the Iraqi community, who I feel is also a very progressive community. But at the same time, I feel you know we've got community centres, we've got uh, amazing people in our communities, leaders and speakers and scholars and those that serve in the community yet but i still feel there's not enough being done so i wanted maybe your perspective on this is there enough being done for for the youth because you know you're very passionate about the youth you're very passionate about women in our youth um do you do you feel there's enough being done or do you feel we're lacking there's always more to be done and one by demystifying tech so one of the things I used to get told, and shout out to my sister, <laughs> Zahra, who used to get asked, what's Haurat doing at uni? And she used to say, computer, blah, blah. Obviously, <laughs> she used to joke about yeah. it. But it was always this um, thing that nobody really knows much about. You know, what is coding? What is cyberbullying? What is technology? What are... Some still don't know. 
I say let's demystify it. And, you know, when they talk about um, our Islamic centres, we always talk about let's have sports facilities, let's have, um, let's give them access to young ulama, let's hear their issues, mm. let's talk about, these are all trigger warnings of things that I'm talking about, you know, whether it's um, uh, drugs or prison, loads of really, really important yep. things yep. In, in, in our society that need to be spoken about, um, relationships, identity, all of this. But when I talk about, have we thought about having a tech room? Everyone just looks and says, Batran. Which means, <laughs> how do you translate that? I word don't know. <laughs> for, for our non Iraqi speakers, like, you have, um, you know, you're bothered. The, you're so bothered about you're so this. Bothered about like, this should, be the least, this should be the least of our worries right now. Yeah, it's like, there's people doing drugs. Right? What yeah, are you yeah, talking there's about? There's people leaving religion. And you're talking people about. People not praying. Yeah. Exactly. And you're talking like, about a computer room. You're talking about a computer room. What's that about? And you're like, but. When you're giving these devices to your children, you're giving them an iPads as young as age three. Yeah. You're then worried about what's happening to their eyes and their fingers and they're losing their sense of fingers. Yeah, their sense of fingers, you know, their sense of like, <laughs> um, you just, you know, all the, their nervous system, everything, you know, dopamine overload, all of that. And it's like, do you know what kind of stuff comes up in ads? Are you aware of how to protect your child from that? Mm -hmm. And then so many times I get called to come do sessions on online safety. And I say, wallah, that's your children have heard this so many times. But when I talk to the girls, they're like, we know we shouldn't give our full name online. We shouldn't give our password. We shouldn't do our date of birth. That's all they know. We shouldn't speak to strangers. How immersed actually are we in the other forms, you know, mm -hmm. when my child is watching TikTok or when... What I think the older generation need these courses, by the way. I don't think it's <laughs> more than the younger. I read a statistic the other day that um, you actually now have a higher percentage of 30 to 45 year olds using TikTok than the younger generation. Wow. So we're, we're there now, but <laughs> we're late in the game, but we're, <laughs> we're there. What kind of data am I giving to these companies? To any company, right? What kind of data am I do giving? Um, what kind of protection mechanisms are there do i know what security features are in my phone whatever type of you know phone you have do i know the security mechanisms of the computer that i'm using can i protect myself or am i just clicking yes to terms and conditions yes to privacy policy yes to cookies yes to should we be reading all the privacy policies before we click no, yes no nobody's going to okay. do that I'm, okay i'm a security professional i should say yes the issue is it's not about whether we should you know, sit there reading every privacy policy because nobody's still going to do that. But let me educate myself about what the general privacy policies are about. Mm. You know, I sit there going, you know, people download an app that's for free. And there's a saying always in the tech world, and if something's for free, your data is what's your, the price you're paying. Yep. Right? Am I aware of any of these? Am I aware of what kind of cyberbullying that's happening to my child? My child's smiling and, you know, fine, and they're getting the worst um, messages in their phones when i say that they say okay so what kind of parent tracking apps are there no you shouldn't be looking at parent <laughs> i want you to just be aware and there are so many courses that make this fun and easy by the way it's not let's sit there reading terms and conditions let's sit there reading no um there's a lot of courses that you can do online just just make yourself educated as to why we're using technology where artificial intelligence is headed where is machine learning headed what's what are the risks that our community have with in this regard so there's lots 
And again, they're all done in very fun ways. It's just about doing a little bit of research online. YouTube is full of stuff you can watch. Well, well, it's been it's been great having you. Uh, there's so much more I wanted to speak to you um, about Sister Hawra. Um, um, you know, with the tech world, I'm I'm not really a, t- a techie person or into techs. The guys maybe behind the cameras are more into their techs. But <clears throat> I'm guessing in the next, you know, I always say we still haven't seen the much with the tech world, and I can see in the next ten years. There's going to be a quite a, a huge development within the tech world. Yes. Um, anything you know we, we should look out for in the tech world? Do, do you think that is going to change the way maybe we live or change our lives? Let's look at how artificial intelligence is developing. Let's mm. just stay in touch with that, and let's see how we can make sure our voice are represented too, because. When you have artificial intelligence doing so much in the world, right? You're going to need a variety of voices to train it. You can't have one type of voice to train it. Okay. I think okay. we need a whole podcast on so artificial <laughs> intelligence. I mean, that's not my specialism. It's just yep. if you're looking to where the tech is headed, mm. look at artificial intelligence because we're getting robots to support our work now. And so who's training these robots? Let's just be aware of that. You can't say I'm going to stop my children from accessing these robots the same way you can't say i'm going to stop them from accessing the internet that's not going to happen we need to educate ourselves and educate children on how to keep themselves um safe and their voices heard inshallah sister Hawra, thank you for your time thank you and, for having uh, me inshallah we'll uh, hear good stuff about um sister Hawra thank you very in much. the tech world and uh, creating more opportunities by taking action inshallah. inshallah all of us thank you so much for having me it's been a pleasure